good morning everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30 and of course it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up of course, second Sunday in the month, we have to welcome back Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm. Good morning, Graham. Thank you for the welcome, Pam. It was a bit of a struggle to get out of the, the, the cot this morning. <laughs> But it's, um, it's just tittles of rain up our way. But they tell me in Melbourne you've had a bit of rain. Well, I haven't at all, you which haven't. I'm really upset about because well, I Virgin- need it. Virginia gets it all. Oh, from it's not Seville. fair, is it? Good morning, Virginia Haywood. <laughs> Good morning. Well, I came down last night because I thought ever since that terrible accident yep. many years ago, driving down here, I've tended to come down the night before. And I woke up this morning. I thought, God, that's rain. Oh, hell, I hope it's happening in Seville. Because I've done more watering the last week than yes. I've done for the whole summer. Oh, it's really got it's very dry now. It's dried out yeah, completely. I mean, we still haven't had those hideous north winds, which is what saved us this this summer, I reckon. But, yep, I'm watering. Uh, absolutely. Mm. Yes, I'm doing the same. It's um... And I figured because it's so late, I can afford to, you know, water down my tanks, which is basically what I'm doing. Mm. Mm. But, Yes, oh well, that's what we have to work with, nature. <laughs> and I have to say, this year my garden, February, usually I wouldn't let anyone pass the gate. It looks so terrible, but it looks lovely. Yes, gardens, have they have held up yeah. a lot better than uh, some of our other summers. Yeah. But yeah, so we can't complain too much. No, definitely okay. not. We have to also say a very good morning to Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery. Hi, Craig. Hi, Pam. Morning, listeners. No complaints here. I think it's been a wonderful summer. Yes. The last lot of rain we had was 55 mils. I mean, wow. It was just amazing. Yeah. And if it gets dry in March, well, it's March. Yeah. March That's is right. always dry. Yeah. And yeah. you're yeah. in the dandenongs. Yeah. And the and other thing wet. at this time of the year is that you get a bit of dew at night. Yes. 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 Yeah. So, you know, no, I'm not complaining at all. Yeah. Well, that yeah. is one of the things I really noticed. I, w- I watered and some of it had gone over into the path, you know, and my paths are mm. all sawdust and it hadn't dried out overnight. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah. how wonderful. Although I'm still finding it hot in bed at the night time. Oh, it's been quite humid, mm. very yeah, it's, humid. It's a really late summer. It mm. is. Yeah. yeah, but we we had to expect that. Uh, absolutely, yes. I knew it would happen. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't bypass summer altogether. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, lots and lots of, and of course, coming into if we can just get a good uh, drenching of rain now, autumn is your classic time for planting. Mm. While the yeah. soil's still warm, mm. if mm. we just get that well, downpour, we'll be. Right, but, but you know, even if you do it now when it's dry, and you put, put a bucket, couple of buckets of water in the hole before you put the plant in, yep. it's, it's not going to dry out like it does in January or February. No, that's true. Well, yeah. I, I got back from Stephen's Madagascar trip in at the beginning of November, and I had this big patch which I refused to do my lawns. It's my daughter's job or somebody else's job, but not mine. And I've got this one patch that they always whinge about because it's a bit narrow to get the ride on into. Right. So I thought, oh, I'll just make that a garden bed. And I decided to do that ages ago. And before I left, I'd covered it all and everything. And I've been planting in that. I've planted all November, all December and all January. I've, and it looks absolutely beautiful. But presumably you've been watering it. Yeah, I've been watering. Yeah. Oh, yes. But yeah. not massively. Yeah. yeah. You know, would, and it's the lack What of would you do per plant a week? A bucket full of water or...? Oh, no, I... Would maybe twice a week I, I put the hose on and just mm-hmm. leave it run for an hour? Mm. For an yeah. hour? Well, half an hour, whatever. Stick a bucket underneath the underneath the, the, the sprinkle and see how much you put on in an hour. My my <laughs> my sprinklers are not very strong. Uh, 
Okay. I mean, you know, it's it's not. Yeah. I just and that's moving it right round. Yeah. The whole mm. bit. So I suppose each area is getting ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Mm. But it's looking fabulous. Mm. You know, hey, really surprising. Hey, the truth is, you can't do much without water. That's exactly that's right. Really and if in you, a yeah, if you mm. plant in summer when the soil is warm, if the water is up, they love it. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I, I've been doing an experiment for the last eight months and double watering roses, right? And mate, they perform so much better. Mm. <laughs> they do. Yes, yeah, <laughs> they surprise. just do. Yeah, yeah. Water, yeah. water is pretty much everything, isn't it? Oh. Living where mm. we do, I'm absolutely opposed to watering. I don't water a thing in the garden. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But I, why garden... would you live in a lindo? But you live in a rainforest. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hey. You the can afford I'll, to do that. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I'll water is if I'm planting a shrub, I'll give them a couple of summers. Yes. And if they don't survive after that, they're out. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. your, your garden is also so, you know, you've got those really high, beautiful trees, which makes it very... Mm. Yeah. It's, it's such a calm garden, isn't yes. it? Mm. Yes. And lots of mulch. Yes. Mm. yes, yes, yes. I think that's one of the keys. Absolutely, definitely. Yeah. 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 Mulch, is, mulch is a big thing, isn't it? It's been really? a good year for mulch with all yeah. those summer storms we had. Oh yes, yeah, <laughs> we're getting lots of it dumped on on the nature strip. Mm. <laughs> Leaves and twigs and bark everywhere. Yeah, mm. yeah, and you just get it cleaned up, and down comes the next that's lot. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone owns a pool, (laughs) it hasn't been a good summer for keeping a pool looking pristine, I can tell you. Ah, well, we must get to community announcements because um, everything's really uh, hepped up now and there's an awful lot going on. In fact, so much going on this weekend. I don't know how people are going to be spoiled for choice as to what to go to if they haven't planned what to do over this long weekend. First up, uh, Fernie Creek Horticultural Society have got their annual Plant Collectors Sale and Garden Expo on. Uh, Now, today is the second day of that. It's at 100 Hilton Road in Sassafras, starting at 10 o'clock, running through until 4 o'clock today. Entry is $5 per person. Children under 14 are free. And the expo is featuring top nurseries from Dandenong Ranges and popular nurseries from rural Victoria. So gardeners can meet the nursery people who grow and propagate their plants. Uh, Some are very rare and collectible, and you can gain all sorts of uh, expertise there. There'll be a variety of stalls, um, including things like garden tools, safety equipment, gloves, secateurs, art and garden ornaments. Inside the hall, there's going to be more stalls, uh, several bookstalls, a botanical artist with her works for sale, refreshments, light lunches, sausage sizzle and Devonshire teas will also be available. So that's all happening today starting at uh, 10 a.m. this morning running through until 4 p.m. That address again is 100 Hilton Road in Sassafras. Can I just say something there, Pam? Yeah, sure. It's it's the most beautiful location of of all the plant fairs. Isn't it wonderful? It's just beautiful. Yes. Yeah, it's a really nice little garden fair, Fernie Creek. Sue and I went up yesterday. Okay. And we had a ball. Yeah. It was absolute. There's your mine. Both of your miners are there. Greg from Longonomous is there. The Country Farm Perennials, the Salvia Society. So there's really good selection. The artist person, I don't know who she is, but I love the art. Okay. Um, and and the actual gar- their garden at Fernie Creek has done the same. It is looking yeah, absolutely beautiful. lovely because yeah. there's been the rain and the no- none of the north wind. 
So it was a gorgeous thing to do. That garden is an absolute gem, and Isn't people it? can visit it whenever they like and have a picnic there. And it's it's yeah. um, and the sausage sizzle is always good there. Oh, <laughs> you and your sausage sizzles. <laughs> That's your weakness in life, Virginia. Is, well, yeah. I never is, eat a sausage. Isn't it great? Not. You can go and have a look at it any day of the week. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's really good. You that, don't have to wait fantastic. for an open day or a, yeah. a fair. And the South yeah. African collection is just mm. fabulous. Mm. Absolutely fabulous. Yep. Yeah. But there's such a good range of people there. Mm. And a nice vibe. Yeah. It's a friendly place. It's it is so very friendly. friendly. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that's missing is rose growers. It's, Graham, was... you should do something about that. Oh, Pam. Are you listening, Diana? She's <laughs> <laughs> got enough on her plate. It's, yeah. it's such a nice one to go to. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. it's lovely. Yeah, you're amongst plant people and they're the salt of the earth, mate. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's the one place I'll go and I'll see all these people I know who come to the Plant Trust, um, always come to our annual, our AGM, because mm. we always have a big plant sale then. And, you know, so I bump into all sorts of people I know, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Excellent. I really enjoyed it. So I really say, listeners, if you're not doing anything, and then on the way back, I went and called in at Craig's Nursery. Mm. So I had a lovely afternoon. Good. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like 3CR of the Danny Nongs, isn't it? You know, all those friendly people. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, definitely. Okay, I better get on to a few other events that are taking place. Now, this afternoon is uh, the next Discovery Walk with Geelong, Geelong Botanic Gardens, uh, the Friends Group there. Uh, starting at 2 o'clock, you meet the guide at the front steps of the Geelong Botanic Gardens. Cost is a gold coin donation for that one. So uh, they're going to be having a look at the uh, silver border, the perennial border and the salvias today. So that's 2 o'clock at the, uh, the front gate of Geelong Botanic Gardens. Now, of course, uh, Open Gardens Victoria, as I mentioned last week, have got a huge... Uh, Weekend this weekend uh, up in Reedsdale with three gardens open. So uh, you're spoiled for choice. You can go to all three and also include the Reedsdale Bush Market, which is also happening as well today. So uh, the three gardens, um, firstly, there's Colliban Springs, which is at 866 Colliban Park Road in Reedsdale. The Stone Axe, which is 390 North Reedsdale Road in Reedsdale. And the third one is Rocklands, which is a 632 North Reedsdale Road, Reedsdale. So all of those are opening 10 through till 4.30 today. And as I've said, the Reedsdale Bush Market is also taking place. This is at the Agnes Mudford Reserve. Um, in the, uh, it's at the Kyneton Reedsdale Road in Reedsdale. And um, they're going to be having all sorts of... Uh, Stalls there selling absolutely everything, just a huge range of everything, including, of course, uh, plants as well, but lots of uh, craft, um, clothing, fishing tackle, you name it. There's cake stalls, um, herbs, spices, and on it goes. So uh, that's all taking place today up at Reedstar. Now, uh, down if you live down the other side of Melbourne, uh, down the Mornington Peninsula, Heronswood have got their Harvest Festival running this weekend as well. So uh, today is the second day of that one. Uh, Of course, the historic house and gardens are going to be open. There'll be mini garden workshops. There'll be produce from local stallholders, free garden tours, and uh, there'll be the famous heirloom tomato taste uh, test. You can join in onto that one. 
and lunch uh, will be on offer on the pool lawn as well with produce from the garden. So that's all taking place down at Heronswood today as well. So as I mentioned, people are really spoiled for choice this weekend. If you haven't planned what you're wanting to do, uh, there's plenty of suggestions. Now coming up uh, on, uh, let me see, on Wednesday, Wednesday, March 15th, so that's next Wednesday coming up, Friends of Burnley Gardens have got their next uh, presentation. It's called Growing, Killing, Learning and Succeeding with Plants at Emerald. And this is uh, talk is being given by John Rayner. John has a two-acre garden up at Emerald and um, he's going to be talking all about uh, the trials and tribulations he's had in establishing a garden there uh, in the Dandenongs. Now, uh, hope there's not much emphasis on the killing there, Pam. <laughs> Pam. <laughs> well, at least he's been honest. We yeah. all do lose plants. No, we don't lose any at all, oh, do we? No. no Graham. <laughs> my yeah. daughter refers to my pots as death row. Mum, do you want me to water death row? <laughs> no, forget it. They're too far gone. <laughs> okay, it's taking place in room 10 in the main building. It's at Burnley Campus, of course, which is at 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond. 7 o'clock for drinks and nibbles, 7.30 for the talk. Cost will be $5 for members of the friends group, non-members $15, and, of course, plenty of parking available in the boulevard. Now, uh, if you're wanting to, uh, to have a, a purchase of some, some Australian native plants, um, Karanga Native Nursery have got a nine-day plant sale started yesterday it's running through until uh monday uh well for the next nine days so taking us right up um uh for the nine days starting from yesterday so there'll be uh great uh savings there on a huge range they're trying to uh clear out a lot of their stock to get ready for the new season so uh if you're wanting to head that way to Karanga Native Nursery, uh, now's the time to do it. They're at 118 York Road in Mount Evelyn there. Their phone number is 97608100. Now some more I need to mention for next week. Um, firstly, uh, I must remind uh, people that the Australian Textile Exhibition is running... Uh, down at the Australian Garden Visitor Centre at Cranbourne Gardens. Um, now, this is an annual event. Uh, wonderful, wonderful exhibition of Australian textiles, um, including uh, a wonderful uh, quilt being donated by Lisa Chandler, but all sorts of uh, wonderful work that's been done by the craft group down there. And uh, that exhibition is... Uh, is uh, ongoing at the moment and if you're wanting to go down there next weekend um, there's also going to be the autumn plant sale run by the Cranbourne Friends of the Royal Botanic Gardens so the plant sale will take place on both Saturday and Sunday of next weekend 10 through till 4 on both days there'll be a wide range of Australian plants in tubes and larger pots for sale priced from $3 so uh, that's uh, you could head down to there, grab your plants, and then have a wander around the textile exhibition, and of course a wander through the Australian Garden as well. Now, uh, 
two gardens that are opening up next weekend for Open Gardens Victoria. And this is one, of course, close to our hearts because uh, Stephen Ryan has got his, uh, his garden open to the public next weekend at Tagurium. And uh, also there's another one which is a, of a great contrast to Stephen's garden, which is La Serre at uh, Langwarren South. So both of those gardens are going to be open next week end. Um, now, Tagurium is at 8 Centenary Avenue in Macedon there, 10 till 4.30 on both days. Uh, entry is $8 per person. Children under 18 are free. Students, $5. And uh, La Serre um, at uh, Langwarren South uh, is also open for both 10 till 4.30 on both days. Again, $8 per person, children under 18 free, students $5. Uh, now, the address of La Serre is 41 Barretts Road in Langwarren South. Now, as usual, our good friends at Open Gardens Victoria have given us two free double passes, one to Stephen's Garden, one to La Serre. If any of our listeners would like to grab uh, one of those free double passes, you need to phone Virginia on 94190155. That's 94190155. The first two people to phone in can have one of those uh, free double passes for next weekend. Uh, also, of course, uh, next weekend, uh, we were talking to Clive Larkman last weekend, but the Herb and Chili Festival um, is going to be on next weekend. Uh, it's uh, running from 10 through to 5 on both days. The address is 125 Quail Road in Wandon. That's just off the Warburton Highway. Uh, tickets you can purchase online if you want to buy past the queues or you can get them on the day at the gate. Cost is adults $24 with a concession or students $18.00. Children under 14 are free, or there's a family ticket which is two adults and two under 18s for $65. Now, there's plenty of parking, free parking on site or nearby, and uh, there's going to be so much happening up there. Have you ever been to it, Craig? No, no, I haven't. Okay. Um, it's been running for quite a few years now, okay. and it's getting bigger every year. Yeah. So um, there's going to be all sorts of – there's going to be something like five stages, four, four five stages. Four stages operating. Um, one will be cooking demonstrations using chilies and herbs. There'll be loads of free children's activities. There's going to be 80-plus stalls selling all sorts of food, beer, wine, healthy drinks, handcrafts and more. Um, there's going to be access to some of the world's best hot sauces, which include Australian, American, Mexican and Japanese. So uh, expect some very hot stuff there. Um, and as I say, it's all taking place and you'll be able to buy, um, buy uh, herbs to plant, lots of varieties of chilies. I believe they're having about 40 varieties of chilli plants up there. Goodness so me, that's a lot. It is a heck of a lot, yeah. yes. Um, I, and if you're going to purchase some chilies, I get advice as to how hot each plant is <laughs> yes. because they're going to range enormously from um, 
fairly uh, mild to uh, very, very hot. So uh, do get some advice on that one. The feedback I hear about it, Pam, is a great place to go to get advice about the chilies. Right. And you've got experts there that really know their their onions and their chilies. Yes, absolutely. um, So if you want to do some experimenting, some of the delights. We have a a, a doctor um, in our Rotary Club at Kilmore. He's an Indian doctor. And he'll talk about chilies, and it's just amazing mm-hmm. um, what um, sort of tastes and what sort of um, experience it can be as a as a delight to the palate. Yes. But you need advice to, to be adventurous. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I'm with you on that one. Okay. Uh, well, if, uh, if you'd like to uh, give us a call this morning and ask uh, a gardening question, uh, we've got uh, roses uh, we can answer with Graham Sargent in here this morning. We can talk um, all sorts about uh, different, uh, different uh, plants with Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery. So do give us a call. That number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Before we go to that, Graham, we're going to go to our first caller, and we have uh, Sue in Mount Evelyn. Good morning, Sue. Hi, Pam. How are you? Well, thank you. That's good. I am too. I'm still on a high from going to the um, rare plant sale yesterday. All right. And good I'm probably you. lucky I had Virginia saying, you've looked at those stalls already. And I said, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I've done, um, done my budget well and truly. So, But what a lovely day up there yesterday. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Yes, I'm ringing because uh, we've actually got our... Um, oh, for people that don't know, I'm Sue from Bushland Flora, uh, a native nursery on Clegg Road in Mount Evelyn. Yes. And twice a year we um, actually have a sale um, and we have a lot of uh, specials of end-of-line um, stock. Um, prices start at $4 for a six-inch pot and six and seven upwards on the um, eight-inch pot. Uh, we've also got quite a lot of new uh, plants um, at our normal prices, which I think I haven't even had a chance to look in there. Started about seven, seven fifty. Um, so our sales actually on um, next Saturday, the eighteenth of what month is it? March. March. Eighteenth <laughs> of March. Beginning also, of autumn, dear. Sorry. It's the beginning of autumn. That's right. Beautiful. <laughs> 18th and also the 25th of March um, from about 8.30 till 4 o'clock. But I have to say, when I front up at about 10 to 8, they're still lined up in the car park. Right, OK. Yeah, so I'm not there till, yeah, till you know, probably just before 8 o'clock. Yep. So, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so so just we're get... at 110 Clegg Road in Mount Evelyn. Yes. Um, is parking easy, Sue? Yes, yes. We've actually got... Um, the sales area now is right up a driveway to, um, and we've got a parking area at the top, but we actually change it into two lots of parking on the day and if not, you can actually park um, as you drive into the driveway to the right-hand side. There's also a large car park. There's enough room for probably 30 cars there now. Right. Which is really good. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, excellent, Sue. That's great. All right. Okay. Thanks nice for letting to see us we've know. got some rain here this morning. Oh, too. did you? Okay. Well, yes. just just wish some of it my way. <laughs> no, I will do that. Okay. Good okay, on then. you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Right, Graham. You've got a big happening 
too. Yes. Art and Roses Tour. Tell the listeners and, all about it. Art and Roses Tour, Pam, on um, on the 7th and 9th of April. And uh, the Art Expo's at the Memorial Hall in the Main Street of Kilmore. And they're, they're, um, they have a competition for all the artists and people who work with photography, woodwork, jewellery and glass art. And also as a part of it, it's, it's an Art and Roses, so... Um, not only roses, but we're also visiting um, a, a couple of local gardens that people can go to. Right. And you can also eat eat at the Memorial Hall for lunch and um, on, on the day if people want to come. So that's on the 7th and 9th to the 9th of April at the Memorial Hall in Sydney Street in Kilmore. Plenty of good parking around that area if people want to want you know park yes and um it's really quite a good show and our nursery's open too of course at that period of time too okay so do people have to book for the whole tour or can they just go to individual um either the the art exhibition or perhaps just to your farm or yeah they can go to individual things if they want to so right yeah Okay. okay yep all right so just give out the uh the times and the dates and have you got a booking number there um well, it's on the 7th and 9th of April, and um, there's no booking number that I've got on here at all. But if you ring us at the nursery, at the Rose Nursery, we can organise the booking for you. Okay, excellent. Okay. And Rotary in Kilmore, a lot of people don't know, Rotary were the really beginners of Blaze Aid. And Blaze Aid, of course, has been um, now very active all around Australia with disasters and replacing people's fences. Yes, they've and there's done a been, wonderful job. And there's been um, uh, tens of thousands of kilometres of fences being replaced from floods right. and fires and um, bringing a lot of rural people together. And a lot of retired people are involved in Blaze and uh, they come and spend um, weeks on in different places all around, all the way up through to Queensland mm-hmm. and even Western Australia. Um, and in, the interesting part about it is that there was a, a bid to take over Blaze Aid by one of the government departments. Okay. Uh, as we have with some some greedy CEOs that like to add to their portfolio. portfolio. And Kevin Butler operates the whole thing. Yes. And uh, I said to Kevin, "What did you do when you had your visit from your 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 um, public servant?" He said, "I told him to nick off." <laughs> <laughs> so you got the farming world are very jealously um, guarding their own. Um, um, uh, little organisation, which is Blaze Aid, yep. and um, they've done a fantastic job for Australians. Yes, oh, they mm. certainly have a yeah. brilliant job. Yes, yep, fantastic. Okay, as I mentioned, if you'd like to uh, give us a call and ask a gardening question this morning, that number is nine four one nine zero one double five nine four one nine zero one double five. Craig. What have you been doing since we saw you, which was last year? Goodness That's me. That's right. It's been a while, hasn't it? Has it has been a while. Yes. Yes. Not watering. Okay. <laughs> yes, I get that. Well done. Yeah. You won't get a huge water bill. Well, I've got the stock. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. of course. No, look, just gardening. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. The, the, the latest big job was, was doing the um, Espalier Apple Walk at Long Acres. Oh. I always do the apples in summer. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, and I try to do it once a year. The summer yes. summer pruning sort of helps that, I think. Yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah, you should turn that into a work, workshop, Craig. <clears throat> Doing the espaliers. Yes. Yeah. So many people, particularly because now um, you know we're getting larger and larger houses on smaller and smaller 
blocks of land. Yeah. Um, Aspalian people are really interested because they still want to grow their own fruit. And um, it's 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 the way to go if you haven't yeah. got much space, isn't it? Absolutely, mm. yeah, you, you're in control of how big the plant gets. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Did yeah, you no, notice that um, the government has just announced that there has to be thirty percent of? Yes. Oh, look, that's the best thing I've heard for yeah. a long time. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah, I think you it's know absolutely what I think? wonderful. You know what I think? It's a big con. Why? Why? Well, you can say that in a three CR, can't you? I reckon it's a big con. Why? Thirty percent of your backyard, mate. I had a backyard when I was a kid in Pasco Vale. It was it was seventy percent of the block. Yeah, but and have you seen what's happening these days? <sighs> yes, exactly. It's You've just got wall to wall fence to fence. Ten percent, and then on that ten percent, they put plastic grass, which is as hot as Hades. Yes, but it just means that there's still going to be room for, for trees, trees in our suburbs, which is which so important. It's incredibly important. We've yeah. got to cool down our That's environment. Right. Exactly. And a tree yeah. on the north or the west of your house will take. 10 degrees off it. Mm. Mm. So Easy. why put in extra aircon if you can mm. put a tree there? Yeah. Exactly. And and work on deciduous trees, eh, hey, yes. fellas? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Big eucalypts, forget them. They're mm. a fire hazard. Mm. They really are. <laughs> and that was one of the biggest challenges out of the fires that came through our place. And unofficially, I'll say this now, unofficially the CFA was saying, we're scared stiff this big fire is going to get as far as Doncaster. Mm. Uh, and that's the reality. And if it gets into Melbourne... It'll be a real well, challenge. Well, Warren, Warrandite is Warrandite. always a fear. Yeah. Mm. And as, yeah. for, as for you, Craig, if, mm. when it hits the Dandenongs. Just ensure. Yeah. <laughs> Just ensure you're right. <laughs> and run. That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. But it's, it's the years afterwards and people recovering from that. That, that's a that's a big issue. Yeah, yes, it really is exactly. Yeah. But I mean, for those of us that live on the fringe, it's a reality that you just live with. Well, know, it is. It is. Mm. And anybody anybody puts in stringy barks, they got nuts in their head. Mm-hmm. They really have. The stringy barks is what what the fire travels on the wind. Mm. Okay, and that's mm. what brings the sparks. Mm. It really does, and that's what really causes a lot of damage. Because mm. we've yeah. been under a cloud of smoke lately because they're doing all the uh, prescribed burning. When I left your place oh, right. yesterday, I thought, what the hell? Soon yeah. there's a fire, but it was yeah. a, a controlled burn. Prescribed yeah. down, yeah. down in Sylvan State Forest. Yeah. Yeah. And we just drove straight across the top of it. <laughs> and was, was that considered successful? Don't know. Haven't heard uh, any results. Yeah, it's still yet. going. It's still well, going. Yeah. Well, if the rain has come in, yeah. which is what they've been expecting, it was mm. meant to rain at six o'clock last night. I know this because there was a a, a concert on at the Botanic Gardens. Mm. So of course it hasn't rained for ages. Have a concert that will bring the rain. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> I don't know why they don't do more of the prescribed burns though. Um, prior to the summer, yeah. I mean, really, um, springtime. But they often, try, they often try, don't they? But sometimes our, our springs have been getting very hot and windy. That's true. And you That's can't true. burn on a hot, windy day. No, no, yeah. of course not. But You get um, a lot of settled weather at this time of the year. Yes. Mm. Yeah, but then, I mean, by the time by this time next year, of course, there's going to be so much regrowth that mm. it's going to have to all be done again. But um, yeah. I, guess they, I guess they can only manage it as best they can. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, one of the problems, of course, in the Dandenongs is access roads that's to right. out. That's yeah. that's that's my concern. Yeah. If a fire does go through, which I guess one day is going to be inevitable, yeah. uh, but they, I really think uh, the planning ministers and those responsible should be looking at more access roads out because a lot of them are dead ends, aren't they? Some of them are terrifying. Yes. Some of them, in some places I go to, I just think I could never live here Yes. because there's one way in and mm. one way out. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and and it's like a suburb. 
Yes. All these houses on, you know, one to a quarter acre blocks. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and the overgrowth on the roads too. I go up some of those roads just to go and have a look. And you're right, Pam, there's there's, there's an enormous amount of, of, of growth right along the edge of the road, mm. isn't there? And and that that's a that's a challenge. Mm. But you know, last night I was walking through the um the Hamer Arboretum, you know, where there's a lot of eucalypt forests and, and I noticed that they've been through grading all the tracks. Yeah. So they've opened them all up again for vehicle access. Okay. Yeah. Now the now the Hamer Arboretum was was when it was replanted after the fires in the sixties mm. was planted with natives that were considered fire retardant. Isn't that interesting? That is very interesting. Mm. I, okay, it's worth having a look at. I think some of the planting there is terrible. Yeah, I'm really. Sort of with you in what that. way? Well, one of my favourite trees is there, which is the Pinus patula. It's one of the most beautiful trees in the botanic gardens. Yes. Up there, they've planted them so close together that they there is no can't shape. Can't make their form. They look horrible. Well, as my arboricultural mate at Kilmore says, "Hey, go and thin them out." Exactly. That's what Mother Nature does anyway. Yeah, they look terrible. Yeah, well, they need to be thinned out. Mm. We have a phobia about about um, cutting down trees, but there's got to be places where you can and you should cut them out and, and, and thin well, them out. Well, this is a classic example, mm. and it, it needed to be done while they were young. If it's mm. right through the arboretum, if you walk yeah. at it, I mean, if you go through, say, say the Cedrus deodara mm. plantation, it's just absurd. Mm. I mean, the trees are three metres apart. Yes. Mm. Well, after the fires, we planted oaks back in our place because we know they're fire retardant, mm. but we're now at a st- stage now we're going to have to thin them out. Yes. Mm. We are. We'll, we'll get in and have to do it. But that's yep. all right. Yep, the, the best thing wrong with in the Haber Arboretum is the, the line of cryptomeria. Yes, aren't they which beautiful? Which are just splendid. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's worth a visit, Craig? Well, it's, it's, well you can go If to you're prepared Craig. to walk, you can yeah. get, get down into the mountain ash forests, which right. to me are much more appealing. Yeah. But um, also, I mean, the view from the view, there is absolutely yeah. Oh, really? Okay. It is yeah. absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Straight out over Warburton, which is yes. a long way away. Yes. It must yes. be 60 miles away. Yeah. Last night we were watching the lightning show on Mount Donabuang. It yeah. was fantastic. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you can go to Craig's Nursery. Yeah. Yep, there you go. It's just around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's what I do. I combine. Mm. <laughs> okay, we've got uh, Gwen Elliott online. Good morning, Gwen. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, everyone. Now I made uh, the terrible mistake of not looking at the end date on the uh, on the exhibition, didn't I? On the textile exhibition. Yes, Pam, it's closed, yeah, but... unfortunately, already. Oh. <laughs> well, previous years it has gone through to the end of Labor Day, but that's this what year I thought. It was a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. finished last weekend, so I thought if anybody's gulping down their breakfast saying we must go to Cranbourne for the textile exhibition, uh, there are plenty of other things to see there today, but not the textile. Okay. But, of course, um, I should add that the plant sale next weekend is still taking place on both yeah. days. Oh, yep. that, that's fine. Yes, that's on both days of the weekend, and um, we'll be down there then. Uh, just getting back to the textiles, you did mention the raffle and of that lovely quilt that Lisa Chandler made. Uh, one of the exciting things, I think, about that is it's going to England. Is it really? We had visitors at the exhibition from, oh, it might have been nine different countries all over the place. Right. Um, and the lady who won it was staying at Murrumbina but um, returning to England shortly. So that, That's wonderful, Gwen. Yes, yes, she was thrilled. It was all flowering gums on the quilt, and so that'll be a real memento of their visit to Australia. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, yeah. that's, that's great. Is there any reason why the exhibition has finished uh, earlier this year? 
Um, look, the, Lisa has been trying out a few different dates as to what is going to be the best dates for it, and she's even considering much later next year. It might be somewhere closer to May. Okay. So there are a number of reasons, but, um, yeah, anyway, it finished last Sunday afternoon. Yep, but it's obviously all going to take place again next year at some stage. It's certainly going to take place again next year. But, right. Um, keep your eye open for the dates. It'll be on the Gardens website, but it could okay. be a little bit later next year. Okay, excellent. Okay. All right. Thanks very much, Gwen. Bye. Bye. Graham, you've uh, you've brought in uh, something very special that I know you love to plant in amongst your roses. Yes, Pam, I bought in a clematis. And of course, we sell clematis along with roses at our nursery because clematis are ideal to um, be able to grow up into climbing roses. And this particular one is a what I'd describe as a cobalt, very beautiful blue. And um, it's a big flower, what would you say, 100 millimetres across. And, of course, you can cut flowers of the clematis on a short stem and float them in a bowl because mm. they look really they look nice. gorgeous, yes. And they'll, they'll last in a bowl on your um, table, um, anything up to about two weeks. Mm. Um, and, of course, it just doesn't have that real pizzazz of a rose. It doesn't have a perfume. So it's not perfect yet. Okay. So, some of them have a perfume. So, there you go, Virginia. Some of them have a perfume because I've grown them for years because I grew them when I lived in London as well. Yes, of course. Yeah. And I've got heaps of them growing at my place and people think they're too hard to grow. Yes. But once you get them in, they're not hard and you, as long as you do the cool root run. Yes. Yeah, it's also like a, a tender shrub in that you need to spend three or four summers settling them in, yes. watering them, getting the roots down deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing, it's the only plant I know which you – well, although there was that series on Garden Australia where they suddenly started planting every tree really deep, but you plant a clematis deeper than you buy it. Yeah. It's, it's one plant that you always plant deeper mm. yes. than, than you buy it, and then you cover it, you know, cover it with rocks or it, just make sure, plant it in a shady spot where it will grow to the sun and then cover it with rocks or a lot of mulch or something just to keep mm. that coolness in the... In the root area, in the, the, root area. Yeah. Yeah. the cool roots are, are a, a good thing. They do like, like liquid seaweed up yeah. over the over the um, canopy, and um, of course, after they're finished flowering in the springtime, it's a good idea to cut them back. That's right. Really cut them back, flush. right back yeah. hard. Yeah, right back hard, and then they'll kick away again and start to flower again. Um, say what January? January yeah. usually. Oh, January. I mean, I've got this one flowering in my garden now. Yes. Yes, yeah. quite a few of mine have reflowered yeah. this year. Yeah. And I've got Clematis Armondi, Armondii, is that mm. how you say it? And it is huge. It's evergreen. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's got a scent. It's got mm-hmm. a lovely scent, but it right. is too big. And I used to grow that in London on my north-facing wall, and it was happy, mm. which is extraordinary. I mean, mm. north-facing reeds south-facing, i.e. wall with no light. Mm. Yeah, I think they fall into the gross feeders category too, don't they? Yes, I love like, that too. like a good feed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if a plant puts on, like some on of my growth, friends. <laughs> if a plant puts on growth on a canopy, it's like roses. If you want them to produce, you've got to feed them. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's really yeah. quite simple. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yes, clematis at our place. Dinah just loves them. Mm. She loves them more than me. Oh, <laughs> oh. Graham. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I can recommend cl- uh, clematis just to give you a, a real lift in your garden and give you that... Like the blue, this particular blue is, and, and there's a number of different um, uh, blues.
blues in these different varieties that, that really stand out in the garden. Yeah. That's that incredibly deep, velvety purple that yes. you see yeah, a lot. Yeah, um, gypsy yeah. queen. Mm. Yeah. And, of course, I presume that that person whose name I can't remember will have her stall at Mifkus next week because she's always at Mifkus with lots of clematis. Mm. Yes. I mean, one of the things I was telling Virginia earlier is that vines equal work. Mm-hmm. And this is the exception, I think. Yes. There, yes. And if you don't plant the... Um, what what's the the big big ones Montana's oh, my, oh yes which are work yes yeah. Montana are these, too big and Armandi ice too big yeah but they, these uh, large flowered ones yes. they're they're not too much work at all yeah. yes. my Armandi oh. ice just fallen off I the must wall. I must emphasise that as soon as they finish flowering in in the spring getting into summer hack them back mm. in the old language hack them back to about foot a foot from the ground yeah. and away they'll come again but yeah. actually there are four different pruning re- yes. regimes yes. for clematis mm. one of the other things to do is to get online if you if you are into mm. them because you do because i've got quite a lot of autumn flowering clematis mm-hmm. and you know some of them are different and as i said my armando has fallen off the wall i'm going to have to i mean i've just got this huge bulk just lying in the garden killing everything what happens if you chop it i'll have to it no. means I'll lose next next spring's yeah. flowers, mm. which is a pity. But it's I mean, I, I had a too damn big Montana Montana rubra, you know, the pink one yes. on one of my fences, Hopeless. which just got completely out of control, mm. and mm. I just cut it off as Graham said, twelve mm. inches from the ground, mm. and it they'll, was away again in no time. Yeah, they'll mm. come. I think they yeah. like it. Yeah. Mm. And the thing you do is, if they get too big, you prune it. I mm. mean, all if you prune it wrong, all you're doing is losing your flowers. Well, mm. it's only for one season. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. Mm. That's right. Exactly. But the, but the modern variety with the bigger flowers are probably very simple to have it for most people in their garden because they're so Terrific, yeah. 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 But how this came about, Pam, was I've got these two um, cuttings. I was given a whole lot of cuttings and two of them have rooted mm-hmm. and it's for the golden chalice vine. Okay. It has a flower that is three times bigger than that clement. It is at least as big as two, if not three hands. It Goodness. is massive. It's absolutely beautiful. It comes the from... Flower's not the only massive thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from Central and Northern South America. And I've got these... And they're growing absolutely beautiful and the leaf is gorgeous. And there's two of them in the botanic gardens, so I know it quite well. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking at my three-acre garden thinking, I haven't got anywhere for it. It's too big. I just don't know where to plant it. Because it is massive. Right. Mm-hmm. But it is the flower is pretty stunning. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Would you put it on your? You know, you've got that lovely garden along the road at your place. Would you put it in there? No, I wouldn't put it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you put it in your garden. You spend I like the rest this. of your life pruning. I like this nursery man. He's honest. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd enjoy it in your garden. For <laughs> and I'll take cuttings for you, Craig. <laughs> well, that's another thing. You can grow these quite easily from cuttings, and uh, it's a challenge for people to have a go at that. And layering. And, Yes. If you layer them, yeah. okay, yeah. they will root. Mm. They, these guys. Mm. Yeah. 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 Your clematis. Yeah. yeah. Mm. They sucker at my place. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> your big ones? Yeah. Well, it just shows you're a sucker for clematis. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. Okay. Craig, you've brought in uh, a variety of plants. Let's have a chat about some of them. Well, the, the first thing I want to talk about was some of the crocosmias because, you know, as soon as you get a, a major weed in a genus, the whole lot get lumped in the same category. Yes. Um, and the crocosmias, there's so many beautiful ones that are not, not at all weedy. Um, everyone knows Montbrescia, of course, which is over the roadside 
all through Victoria. I assume you have it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> it's all through Ireland too. Yeah. Where it's a weed. Yeah, is so it? it's a shocker. Right. Mm. Yeah, but, no, it but is. It's, the, but it's the, a pretty shocker. It is, and it flowers with the agapanthus, and it's kind of a pretty look. Uh, if you like yes, weeds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't want them spreading everywhere and That's through right. the bush and all yeah. that. Yes. So anyway, look, there are a multitude of hybrids from these things, and I just grow a few of them. And I think they used to be pretty freely available in Victoria, but the the, the supply now seems to be shrinking. The first one I bought in is Star of the East. Oh, that's which pretty. It looks like the normal one, the weed, except yeah, that the flower is three times the size. Yes, it is. It's huge. And it's, it's orange with a very soft centre. It's a beautiful orange too. Yeah. It is. It's a lovely yeah. orange. Screaming to be planted with something purple. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Astrofricatii. Yeah. Perfect combination. Look, it's a, a Star of the East is one of them that is a little bit of a thug in that it spreads by stolons. So it does make big patches, but it doesn't seed everywhere. I what, like what's a, like what's a stolen? Um, the bit in a, in grass that spreads. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the shoot. Well, in this case, comes out of the bulb oh, yeah. and okay. runs along under your mulch and then mm. forms another bulb. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But fairly easy to control, Craig. I find it easy to control. Yes. Yeah, I don't don't have an issue with it. Yep. If it wasn't, I wouldn't have it in my garden. No. Yeah, no. I'm not into creating work for myself. There's enough. As like, it is. Yeah, like my golden yeah. chalice vine, which yeah. I so kindly offered him. <laughs> You're not going to win on that one. No. no. Not a hope. No. Okay. This one's sulfur Sulfur is, I think, extremely beautiful. So it's really soft butter yellow. And the, the foliage, look, it's, it's a bit late in the season, but the foliage is a sort of soft, velvety foliage, and I would say it's probably the only crocosmia that you could grow for foliage. Mm. And it has a rust sort of brown running through it, and sulfur goes in part shade. Oh, okay. Good. It burns in the sun. Yes, right. Yeah, because of the soft foliage. Okay. Yeah, lovely bulb. I'd, I'd like to say that all of them need a bit of water. It's interesting the different size in those two flowers, though. The orange one is really very big, isn't it? For Star of the East is yeah. big. Yes. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I missed that yesterday. Yeah. And <laughs> I can they, see um, I need it. <laughs> they need a bit of moisture up until they flower. Once they're flowered in midsummer, well, they're, they're, everything's a bit late this year, but yes. normally midsummer, then you can dry them out. Okay. And then there's the reds, and there's lots of reds. This one's Mrs. Morrison, which is a fairly small one. Um, some people would be familiar with the um, Lucifer. Yes, I like <coughs> the really Lucifer. big, big yeah. red one. Yeah, which can be a little bit thuggish. That's the same colour as the walls. And yeah, the this walls is... of, the, of this studio. <laughs> <laughs> yes, almost. Yeah, almost, yeah. <laughs> That's a. It's almost a hot emotional red, folks. You need emotion in a in a in a, a radio studio yeah. like ours. <laughs> I mean, this one would be beautiful planted with mauve salvias oh, or yeah, something yeah, soft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's a lovely, strong colour. Yeah. Look, the crocosmias are something to look out for. And, mm-hmm. you know, once, once the plant becomes so maligned like they are, then I immediately get interested in them. <laughs> no. yeah. that, that red is the sort of red we really look for when, when we're breeding roses. Well, it would be and, terrific under yeah. roses, wouldn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, it'd be gorgeous. Yeah. Go under roses, but that red colour is something we, again, look for in, in the red. Right. A lot of roses run to purple, and, and people generally don't like that. In, so you're looking in, for scarlet. Yeah, a scarlet colour. Yeah. And yeah. there's a brilliant rose called La Salviana in the main street in Kilmore. Right. And, mate, does it flower. And it's scarlet, is yes, it? Yes, yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a, a, a real performer. It'll pl- flower for nine months of the year. So it's on the orange spectrum that you're yeah. looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because orange, look, I think people are starting to get a bit more interested in orange, but when I first yeah. opened the nursery, it was a no-no. Yeah, no one yeah. wanted it. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's I a welcome colour orange. in the garden, isn't it? Like, I think it's a terrific colour. Oh, I love and it too. Easy yes. to blend. Yes. yes, very easy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, it really brightens a, a garden spot no matter where you've got it. It's, it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep, yep. Okay, we'll go to our next caller. We have uh, Hugh in the Yarra Valley. Good morning, Hugh. Yes, good morning, Victoria. Good morning, panel. Morning. My, my question is to uh, Dr. Graham. Um, last time you've been on air, you've been talking on dieback, right? And uh, I understood that there is a relation back relationship between um, too, too much mulching on roses and die back and you were saying at least I understood it that way that die back is a fungus and it comes from the mulch or something like that could you explain that once more please um, you with mulch it'll depend on what the mulch is uh, and I'm very cautious I must confess about lucerne mulch uh, because lucerne mulch also will bring uh, uh, fungus and the other thing that's really important, where, you, where your mulch is, should keep away from the trunk of the rose itself. Um, and and there's, a, there's another reason for that. If you do water the garden and you've got a, 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 an open part around the rose itself, it'll allow the moisture to go in. Whereas if you water and the mulch is too thick, the, the water stays on the mulch and doesn't really absorb into, into the soil. So I think that's very important in, in that sense. And so if you, if you want to avoid any fungus, the, the better um, mulching material to use is actually wheat and straw. And that, that's more a lot drier itself and doesn't encourage um, the fungus uh, growth that we have. And, of course, fungus happens and, and we don't see a lot of it in the garden. And... Um, uh, it's not that that visible, but um, I know from experience that lucerne can be a problem. Um, I, I'm so happy what you've been saying, especially on straw. Yes. I mentioned in a in a particular garden club uh, that we must use much more straw because where I come from, straw is a very very important raw material. Yes. And uh, it gets uh, there's a machine and it cuts it up into bits around five centimeters long and um, also we heap them up these straw bundles after they've been through the thresher mm-hmm. uh, the the bundles are still st- together as they come from the field yes. and then when you have to roll this we we stack them up like like soldiers put rifles up you know like into a triangle yes. and uh, that pu- that stops the frost Yes. And the other question, if you don't mind, um, I, I, I t- collected all the rose hips I could find, and I put them on the top of the, uh, of the pot, right? So that next day I go with labels and paper and pencil, 
and um, and, and put them down and, and and I know which rose hip comes from which bush. But next morning when I went there, all my rose hips have gone. Somebody has eaten them or something. Right. Yes. Now, um, this time I'm a bit more careful. Right. I picked another lot of rose hips and I want to sow them out. Could you please tell me again? Um, just put them on top of a seed raising mix, or what did you say? Well, with with growing rose hips, you need to um, use a seed raising mix, but just push them lightly into the soil. Do you okay. put a plastic bag over it or anything? No, I never do that. No, um, and if you've got reasonably fresh uh, seed from the rose hips, that's the best time to plant them. Yes, well, this is why uh, I, uh, this time I was very, very careful uh, to make sure that um, the next lot of roses which I have, uh, that they're not staying on top of the pot where they dry out. Yes. And I put them in a paper bag. Yes. And away from whichever animal it is that eats my rose hips. Right. Um, Possum. Possums, is it? Yeah. Possums love them, yeah. so, so do the cockatoos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, well, thank you for helping me. Okay, okay. bye, Hugh. Thank you. So so what percentage of success do you get from, from seedling from hybrids? I mean, do they revert back to the rootstock? Or? No, no, it'll depend solely on where the bee's been on, yeah. the, on the flower. Okay. So, uh, and, of course... The sky's the limit as to what you might get. Yep. Um, you know, the rose breeders, Cordy's in Germany, they'll sow over 100,000 um, or produce 100,000 seedlings. Mm. So they might plant anything up to three 300,000 actual seeds in their seed-raising beds. Yeah. And they have their seed-raising beds at, you know, at about valley level where, where, where you can uh, attend to them and weed them. Yeah. Um, but, again, it depends on where the bees have been and, and how, how uh, the pollinations happen. So you're going to get a few good ones out of 300,000? Oh, well, Cordy's might get um, out of 300,000 seeds. They might select, say, five in a year. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So question, is it all bees? Sorry? Is it all bees that are useful? Because, for example, tomatoes are particularly well pollinated by blue-banded bees. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. all the bees fertilise roses? Yeah, they will do. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. And other insects too, of course. Mm. We tend to forget other insects. And, um, uh, you know, there's so many different types. And they're very quick and very elusive. Bees tend to hang around more when we say, oh, you know, the bees are busy. We've seen them there, Mm. yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But other insects, it's just come in, bang, bang, they're gone. And, you know, it's it's just a a quick movement. Mm. Yeah. And the blue banded, they're hard to see. I mm-hmm. always get excited when I see mm-hmm. a blue banded bee in my garden. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> They're all up at Canberra, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching uh, blue banded bees having an absolutely wonderful time on one of my salvias yesterday. Mm-hmm. They seem to really love the salvias. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I think that's one of the reasons I love the salvias so much because so many birds, so many of the really little birds really like them. When I first moved to my place, there was very little understory planting and there were no little birds at all. Yes. They're coming in. Everywhere. Everywhere. Mm. It's just wonderful. (coughs) Also the really, really tiny ones, like the blue wrens. Yeah, and thornbills. Yes. Mm. And when when I run the hose, the thornbills just come, They, especially if I run it under a tree, you know, they come from everywhere. It's Mm. just Fabulous. Mm. And it's one of the important things with encouraging flowers to be in your garden. You know, you might get people who just simply say, oh, well, look, you know, if I can't eat it, I won't grow it. But you de- you definitely need flowers mm. to complete that cycle within, yeah. within nature, and that's so important. 
And to bring the wildlife in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's right. Yeah. 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 Craig, let's get back to some of your other plants. Look, it's interesting how genuses get sort of pocket-holed and euphorbia is one where everybody assumes that they're tough, which is, I think, pretty much based on Wolf and I. Yes, it is, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Which is not only tough, but is weedy. But Yeah, that's right. But in, <laughs> but in a huge genus like euphorbias, you know, there's all sorts of different plants. And, and this one I brought in is euphorbia griffithi, which comes from the Himalaya. Mm. So it requires moisture. Yes. Um, and it's a selected form called Dixter, so... The, the, the fabulous thing about it is the flowers, which are really big and orange. Orange, orange, orange. orange yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I saw it in Beth Chatter. Well, I didn't. I saw Fire Glow, which is its first cousin, yeah. in Beth Chatter's and garden. And inferior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just fell in love with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I actually I bought one of these from Craig yesterday. Because yeah. It's the most beautiful plant. Yes. I mean, the foliage is beautiful, the deep green with a stripe through it. The stems are beautiful which is a sort of reddish-brown. And then, of course, late spring, early summer, it, it does the orange thing. Yes. And some yeah. of mine, some of the other one, Fire, Fire Glow, are just, fl- have just flowering again for me, which I'm yep. thrilled. Yeah. And it spreads under the, by um, runners under the mulch. Mm. Yeah. So, it, look, I've found it doesn't really make huge clumps, so you'll just sort of get a bit popping up there and a bit popping up here. Yeah. No, I think it's euphorbias. It's a nice plant. I'm quite in love with euphorbias. When I was in Madagascar with Stephen, we saw a lot of euphorbias. Yes, there's a lot over there. Yeah, yeah. and it was that it's you know that convergent um, development. Like all the in southern Africa, you get all these euphorbias in incredibly deserty, dry regions, mm. and people here often think those ones are cacti. Yep, but of course yeah. you only get cactus in the Americas. Yes, yeah. of course. And and the euphorbias. I mean this. What, there's over 2,000 of them. Yeah, it's a huge so genus. Many. Yes. So many. So they cover a vast range of climatic conditions. Yes, and absolutely. they come from yeah. you know, trees to little annuals. Yeah. They're sort of, I love them. But if you're wanting to plant them, just do a little bit of research on where they come from because they're not all drought tolerant. Mm. I mean, there's one here that Virginia bought in. It's one of the... Um, where is it? it the name's... It's this one. It's yeah. called Blackbird. Yeah. And it is a sport... Amygdaloides? Of a cross. No, it was a cross between... Yes, Amygdaloides and Martinii. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. And they need water. Mm, It's beautiful. Whereas this one, Euphorbia obtusifolia... Yeah, doesn't need water. Doesn't need water. And I love this. This goes dormant in February, so it loses all its leaves. And then it's just re-leafed and Mm. has gone into flower. It's sort of hip-high. Okay. Not this one, obviously, because no. it's in a pot. <laughs> but I've planted a few of them. On, you, you all know that top bed of mine, yep. which is the highest point of the garden. It's the top of the ridge. It and gets all the north and west wind. And I've just been planting these stun, And they're so sculptural. They're beautiful. Yep. And this turns into this lovely symmetrical shape. You'd think that I'd been doing a Paul Bangay and going... <laughs> mm. You know, it's, it's a lovely ball. And flowers? Yes, it's, it flowers. Green. Yes, yep. and and I think the the flowers are so unusual. I mean, they're a, a fabulous genus, and and of course Lyle, the nursery down at Lara, Rorara, Rorama, Rorama. Yeah, he loves them. He loves them. So whenever I go there, which tends only to be about once a year, because I don't often manage to get there. I always come back with another euphorbia. I can't help myself. Yeah. I find it interesting that euphorbia is with, you know, a genus which also contains some shockers in terms of weeds yes. has not, made, not been sort of pushed to one side because of that. 
Well, this one, this obtusifolia, it comes from the Canaries. They grow in Britain. They're called spurge in Britain. Mm. And that comes from using them as a purge. The Latin root is to purge the body. Yes, yes. Yeah. Which I find odd because there's poisons as all get up. You know, I mean, this Martini hybrid would do well in the UK, I would have thought. Yes, well, it, uh, that's where I, I saw it in Beth's Chateau's garden and after I'd noticed it there, I saw it, well, there was one in my street. Yeah. You know, they're, they're everywhere. Mm. I, I'm very popular. But, but for me, the, the, intro, the, the, the important thing is to find out where they come from because, I mean, people come into my nursery and they look at euphorbia and they say, oh, euphorbia, that's going to be tough, mm. and they grab it. Yes. And it's not necessarily the case. Mm. Yes. I mean, in my case, I'll say to them, well, no, it's not. But mm. if you go into your average nursery, you're probably not going to get that sort of treatment and you'll just take it No, that's it, right. Take you it take home. it. You presume mm. it's drought tolerant. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I love going to Craig's. I say, oh, that's beautiful, Craig. Oh, I think I'll have that. Not for your garden, he'll say. Not for your garden. <laughs> <laughs> He's a realist. Well, it's, it's fantastic. Yep. Yeah, it would, means people would, come back. How would you describe it here, Virginia, that you've got, the, got this plant in here? It's almost a, a mini, mini uh, bottle tree almost. That's right. That's it? what I was thinking, a little yeah, boab. Yeah. yeah, a little boab. And, yeah. it's, and it, it, to, to describe to the listeners, it's, it's, it's mini, mini and doesn't look like it gets very big. Yeah. Yeah. Really got a lot of character. You could almost make a bonsai out of it, hey? Mm-hmm. You yeah. probably could. Well, yeah. You're the bonsai king. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but mm. I, I really think people should, because they're so structural, people should think more about putting them in their garden. Absolutely. Yeah. And anybody who does go down to Geelong, go to that nursery in Lara, mm-hmm. along with Craig's. It's one of my favourites. Mm. I like going to a nursery that's got beautiful garden around it as well. Yeah. You have to keep your eye out as to how to get to it because it's actually in a service road. That's right. <laughs> and I keep... Whizzing past it when I go down uh, down the, the Geelong freeway and I'm always too late and I think, oh, now I've missed the turn off again, yeah. <laughs> you know. But, but it's you one can, of those nurseries which is very much reflective of the character that runs it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but one day I've got to get there. Yeah. Yes. So, it, so it's parallel with the Geelong Road, isn't it, Pam? Yes, yeah, so yeah. you see it when you're yeah. travelling on the Geelong Road, but yeah. it's actually on a service road yeah. that runs parallel. So, yeah. um, and you have to take you have the to Lara. Plan it. Yeah, you either take the Lara exit if you're going down to Geelong, which is well before it. That's well before yes. it. Yes, coming yeah. out of Geelong, you don't get onto the you big don't road. Get, no, yeah. so you've really got to plan it and make yeah. sure that you, you're there. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Mm. But anyway, I will get there. I'm determined to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, well worth it. It is fabulous. Yes. He's got the most wonderful, big metal sculptures. And, yeah, and, and you, he's can, got you can see it pretty well from the Geelong Road. Oh, you can. Yeah. It's spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yes. Which is why I kick myself every time I've just driven past it. Mm. Yep. Okay. Uh, we're just waiting for a phone call to come in. One more plant, uh, Craig, while we're waiting. Oh, this is one that Virginia and I were talking about yesterday. Okay. Used, used to be Polygonum, but it's now um, Persicaria. And in Aff- Britain, Affine. In Britain, they call it Bistort. Yeah, and it's a <coughs> creeping evergreen perennial for sort of semi-shaded position with a bit of moisture. Um, and I, I like it. It does its real flowering thing in autumn, and they, they, the flowers start out sort of soft pink, okay. almost white. And then by the time they're finished up, they're a really deep pink. Wow. And then in a couple of weeks when we've had some really cold weather, the leaves will turn. Yes. Get nice red autumn colour on it. It's a really pretty clump to have underneath something. Yeah. Okay. The the foliage sits 
10 centimetres, I suppose. Mm. Pretty low. Yes. And then the flowers come up a little they, bit taller. Oh. And, yeah. and yeah. so the flower that you described there is, is, is a flower with a whole lot of little flowers, is it? It's a spike. Or, yeah. A spike. Yeah, yeah that's okay. right. Yeah. Imagine insects that, that would get into that. They'd have to be really small that's to get right. in and, and cross-pollinate. The yeah. old bees would have a, have a problem, wouldn't no, they? I haven't it's, seen it's the bees in... working it. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. But there'd be other mini insects that... that um... There'd be something that likes it. Yeah. 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 The, the bees are all on the asters and salvias and things at the moment. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What sort of height would it get to, Craig? When we say small, it's... 20 centimetres maximum. Oh, that, really? That's with flowers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That might be a bit tall, maybe 15. Yep. Yeah. Now, that'd be nice under a rose. Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. well. Yeah, it would, it would go, go really well. well. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. a good, solid, evergreen ground cover. It's yeah. not the sort of thing that weeds come up through. Yeah. It's not fast. Yeah. 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 But, but the fact you've got the, the, the shading of the, the white through to the, the pink and then the deeper pink, it that's would right. look lovely. Yeah. yeah, and it would also tolerate the shade that the roses throw. And yep. how, how long will it flower for, Craig? Oh, for months in the autumn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it started flowering quite early this year because it's been such a cool summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And maintenance when the flowers finally finish? No? It's up to you. Yes. Yeah. You don't need to really no, do anything? don't need to do anything. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Great plant. Yeah, it's a good plant. Just just needs a bit of moisture. It's not for an arid garden. Mm. No, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. And, uh, well, I can, I can see some... Some, some silvers. Big, yes. Yeah, I yes. like little, little silvers. Silvers. Yeah. Meribium supinum, which is... I mean, its name's enough to want to own it, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> um, beautiful sage green silver with mm. scalloped edged leaves. Pretty low, 25 centimetres, slowly spreading. Mm. Pretty tough. You know, it's, it's taken off. It struggled a bit this summer because we had so much rain. But mm. as soon as it dried out now, at this time of the year, it's taken off. That's not edible, is it? Don't think so, no. no. Okay. It, it's yeah. not a it's not a pure silver. It's got some green in it, yes. but the structure of the leaf is is beautiful. Well, it's got a silver frill round each leaf, mm. yeah. and the stem is is a glorious um, silvery white. Yeah. Uh, so that would 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 it tolerate um, a dry absolutely uh, um, not a dry a, a shady area? Craig? I haven't tried it in shade, but it wouldn't surprise me. Quite because a lot would, of the silvers do. It would do. really light up if, it, if yeah. it would tolerate it. I don't think it's one you'd put in deep shade. No, no, no. Partial, I wouldn't be surprised if it grew in partial shade. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be another one that lovely to edge a rose bed. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's that Beautiful. sort of colour which goes with anything. Within any of these ground covers, so long as people keep them away from the trunk yeah. of the rose, because often if these get, come in around the trunk of the rose, you'll start to see the rust form on the on the actual stem. Okay. So if you just give it a bit of a bit of um, uh, air around the actual stem, yeah, then that usually doesn't develop. What I do yeah. with plants that don't like mulch around the trunks is just chop the bottom off a pot. Mm-hmm. And split them down the side, and then put that around the trunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fair enough. Good, good to keep the rabbits away from things too. Oh, yeah, because oh, yeah. in in the winter time, rabbits just get in and go for the bark on things, don't yes. they? Yeah. Yes. And then you look at them after, and they also, after the winter. They sharpen their teeth on. Yeah, them. yeah. They've mm. got to have. They're like rats. They've got to have the got to have the teeth gnawed down. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I thought this was very pretty in your garden. Yeah, it's a nice plant, mm. isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, let me see online. Uh, have we got? Must be line three. All right. Online we have uh, Lee Siebler, and Lee is manager of uh, Garden Centres Association of Australia. Good morning, Lee. 
Morning, Pam. How are you Hi. all? You have a wonderful range of plants you talk about there. So oh, yes, we certainly do. Yes. I recognise Graham Sargent's voice, so I'm familiar with roses. I'm not too familiar with a lot of the others you're talking about. Anyway. Okay, okay. Yes, we've also got Craig Wilson, um, who's... Uh, who runs Gentiana Nursery up in the Dandenongs. Oh, yes, I know the nursery. Oh, well, and, there and, you uh, go. And Lee's our Australian agent for those fantastic Austin roses. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hey, mate, yeah. and have they got perfumes, Lee? Yeah. They certainly have. You yeah. could smell them from here if I was holding them for you. But yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, we want to talk about garden relief. I'm sure you're busy people. We certainly want to talk about garden relief. Uh, Lee, because it's all happening again next uh, weekend, in particular next Sunday. Yes, next weekend. Some of the garden centres are starting on, well, Garden World in particular starting Friday and Saturday. Most of them are Sunday, but a bit of a mix. But um, this is year three. We've raised 70000 in each of the last two years for Beyond the Blue. So we're pretty happy with that. But, mm. you know, the main aim is really to encourage more people into plants and gardens and to highlight the health and well-being benefits of plants and gardens, and I'm sure you all know that, but to have a fun weekend in garden centres around Australia to celebrate garden relief and, of course, importantly, to raise funds for the charity being beyond blue. But, you know, plants and gardens are good for your health, and that's the message that we want to get across with garden relief. Relief, mm, of course, mm. is R-E-L-E-A-F, yes. play on words. And if people would like to go and visit the garden, we've got about 28 garden centres around Victoria involved, somewhere around 80 around Australia. We're focusing on blueberries for health and well-being, a health food. We've coined um, next Sunday's National Blueberry Day, so there'll be lots of things happening with blueberries in the garden centres. But um, your listeners, if they just go to gardenrelief.com.au, they'll find the participants, what they're doing and the times, or Facebook, just look at at Garden Relief Australia. So we're pretty excited. Year three, we have um, picked up this program from the UK there into year five, and it's a great thing really to, you know, get people into their gardens and just realise just um, how good plants are. And, you know, if you're feeling a little bit down, get out into your garden, you'll feel so much better. Mm. Well, when and you mentioned how good gardens and gardening is for your health. Um, we want to also emphasise that it's not just your, your physical health, even though obviously getting out there and digging and all the rest of it um, is great for your physical health, but it is so wonderful for your mental health, which is why you've tied it in with Beyond Blue. That's exactly right. And, I mean, there's so much research just proving it. It's not just us, but, you know, I mean, we all know as people in the industry, we just don't tell the rest of the consumers out there enough about it and really this is what we're wanting to do with you know with all the media releases that we put out and hopefully the publicity we get to really highlight that as you say it's uh, you know people if they're a bit depressed they're a bit down or just want a bit of a break from the computer maybe working on the computer all day just get out somewhere you know hop out of the office or the home office whatever mm. hop under a tree go to a park go for a walk for five minutes but just get involved with some plants and you know have some flowers in your office have some plants in your office again research proves flowers make you happy uh, indoor mm. plants will help um 
uh, re refresh, re you know, well, relief your, your office, your environment. It is all so important and so true. Absolutely. And, and Lee, you talk about berries and, and, and the blueberries, and, of course, we know that all berries are one of the healthiest plants or one of the healthiest fruits that we can eat. Yep, no doubt at and, all. And the blueberries are certainly a part of that whole whole family of um, berries. Yes, we've honed in on blueberries, partly because mm. it's blue, it ties in with Beyond Blue, but... You know, they're pretty easy to grow, particularly yeah. in most parts of Victoria. They do want that cooler climate generally, although we've got people in WA and even Northern Territory having a crack at them this year. Mm. I'm not quite sure how they'll go, but anyway... Yeah, they're, I'd be they're surprised try. if that was successful. Sorry? I'd be surprised if that was successful. Yes, well, they're going to try. Yeah. So it's, um, and, and one of the growers up there has grown them for a few years, so, mm. but you're right, it could be challenging. But like a lot of plants, you know, you have a go and you never That's know right. until you've tried. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see. We've been celebrating the fact that uh, Richard Wynne announced yesterday. Um, Fantastic, about, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it wonderful? There's yeah. going to actually be more land surrounding houses so mm. that people can grow. Yes, yes, I think they've, they've got a bit of a challenge how they're going to enforce that and make sure people don't put uh, concrete or paving or something down. There'll be some who will try and bend the rules. But I'm sure. The fact that they've even highlighted it is fantastic for, for gardens. And, and, the, and the reality is that concrete is just not a good thing to have in the environment, full stop, Lee. Yep, very true. I know. Right. And, and we're starting to come out with some, some research about that and... And um, it's something that should be discouraged. Yeah, it's a shocker, isn't it? Oh, yeah, there's just no value in it at all. Mm -hmm. And and we have engineers that are absolutely brainwashed with the damn stuff. Mm -hmm. It it really is a, a shocker. And I think the plastic grass is in the same category because it's, yeah. it's hot, whereas real grass is cool. Yes, no yes. doubt. So the state government to be commended for that, yeah. and let's hope uh, the other governments around the country pick up on it too. It is just so important, mm. and uh, you know, there's so, so many houses now don't have a backyard of any consequence mm. at all. So it's um, wonderful to hear that governments are getting behind an initiative like that. Mm. 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 I, I actually um, something I, I often do mention, Lee. Um, they worked out in in zoos right around the world. I mean. The animals were so depressed and unhappy when yes. they were kept in hard surface cages with no no foliage around them. Now we've made them much more like open range zoos, or we're we're planting gardens so that the the people are hidden from the animals and they're surrounded by greenery and plants that they're used to in their natural environment. Mm. If it, if it's so much better for the mental health of our animals in zoos. I mean, imagine the, the effect on, on children growing up yes. in, in a hard-surfaced yeah. um, environment with no greenery. Yes, oh, terrible. And again, you know, there's research has proven time and time again uh, exactly what you're saying. You know, and another good initiative of the industry, you've got Fleming's, uh, you know, building the, their kindergarten project where they're building gardens around kinders for the same reason that so many of them have a sterile environment, although they've improved dramatically over the years. But mm. I think mm. Fleming's, you know, the tree grower, are to be commended for funding a number of gardens. And that's what they've done in the UK with the funds they've raised. They've built gardens around uh, around kindergartens and particularly where they've got some very ill children around some of the hospices. Yes. So, you know, there's some great work being done with gardens and plants, undoubtedly through the nursery and garden industry. Yep. To get back to garden relief, Lee, um, 
Can you tell us some of the activities that are taking place next Sunday in, in some of the nurseries? Yes, well, there's all sorts of things. A lot of it is really a bit of a fun weekend. A number will be running barbecues. Most of those who have cafes will be focusing in on, on blueberry muffins and blueberry smoothies and that type of thing. A number will be running uh, smallish raffles or um, things like that, again, to raise funds. Will be on blue, and I should add a lot of the key suppliers have also put product into these raffles at no charge to uh, you know raise funds. But some of them are running a barbecue, some will be having face painting. I know a number of them have got um, uh, animal petting sessions. There's all sorts of different activities. Some of the garden centres are not doing a lot to be honest because they you know maybe haven't got the the, the time or or the or the thinking power. To do it, but uh, a number of them are really going over the top and doing wonderful things. But again, if if they look on our garden relief website and click on Victoria, just scroll down the the suburbs or the it's country as well, of course, country areas, and they'll find what each of them are doing. But there are some great activities. Garden World, as I said, I probably shouldn't highlight just one, but they have the biggest program of anybody. Van Loon is down at, out of Geelong, Wallington, have a very big program. Yeah, Ocean Grove. Yeah. yeah, so there's lots of things happening. It's be a fun weekend, and, and that's really what it's aimed at. Have fun, come in. You don't have to buy anything you don't want. You don't have to donate if you don't want to. Just come in and enjoy yourselves with the activities that are happening. And, and, and get inspired to go home and, and get into your own garden. Absolutely, that's what's important. And I'd like a bit of rain before then. I took the <laughs> you and me for a both. walk early on. I didn't even get wet. It was. Yes. Uh, yeah, but anyway, we just make do with what we have at this stage. But, uh, you know, I think autumn is here. The leaves are dropping, the trees are colouring. But that rain would be lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lee, all the very best for next Sunday in particular. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful um, idea and and may it continue for many years yet to come. Thank you very much and thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. Okay, bye. Bye. All right, yes, Garden Relief next Sunday. So uh, as Lee suggested, just just type in Garden Relief and and up will come a lot of the centres around not just metropolitan Melbourne, but also uh, rural Mel- uh, Victoria. There are, a lot of them are doing some wonderful work there and some really inspiring things and lots of activities for the children as well. So uh, that's wonderful. Okay, that number, if you'd like to join us, do give us a call, 94190155. We're running through until 9.15, our usual time slot. So you do have time to jump on the phones if you'd like to give us a call. Uh, next up, we will go to uh, Vic, who's in Maribyrnong. Good morning, Vic. Oh, good morning. Yeah, the chapter was talking about that nursery off Geelong Road. Yes. You know how useful this information is? It's as useful to me as it is to a blind man looking for a black cat in a dark room that isn't there. Right. Right. What, he's, what he hasn't told us is what side of Geelong Road the place is on when you're travelling either towards Geelong or away from it. We haven't got a clue where it is. The second thing is, is that the entry to those road, to that service road, is it signposted? And if so, what does it say? What you need to do is look for the signpost to Lara. Got to look for the signpost to, to Lara. Lara on what side of the road? Both. So if you're coming from Melbourne to Geelong, there is a sign to Lara, an exit to Lara, which then goes on a bridge across the highway. So it's on your right-hand side of the highway. It's a left-hand exit and then a right-hand turn at the bridge. Hang on. 
So the nursery is located... The nursery, if you're coming out of Geelong... If you're going to... No, I'm coming from Melbourne. Okay, if you're going to Geelong, the nursery is on the wrong side of the road for you. It's on the right-hand side heading down to Geelong. So what you have to do is take the exit to Lara... Which then takes you and you onto a bridge across the the freeway. Okay, fine. And the address is thirty Swan Street, Lara. Thirty Swan, as in bird. Just spell the name. Spell it. S W A N. Swan. Swan. S W A N. And the phone number. Hang on, is it Swan Road? Swan, Swan Street? Street, Lara. That's Street. Street. All right. And the phone number. Is five two five two five eight five eight eight seven zero four eight seven zero four. That's five two five eight eight seven zero four. Yep. So if you give Lyle a ring, he will name it a place. It's called Ro Rama. That's spelled R O R A M A A I M A A I M A. Is it Rama? R O R A I M A. Uh, hang on. R O R A I M A. A I M A. Roraima. Yes, and it's a it's the name of a mountain in South Austra- in South America, I think. Roraima. Yep. Yeah, uh, because what and, you're saying is Roraima. Oh, that's already throwing me already. So it's Roraima. Well, you've now got the spelling, you've got the address, and you've got the phone number. Thank you very, very much. Okay. You know, when people give directions and they and they're vague, they're, two things happen: it's either not worth going, and if you do go, you waste your time and come home disappointed because you never found it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Thanks I'm for like, your thanks for your call, that mate. Happen? That happens too many times. Okay, yeah. good on you, Vic. All right, thank you very much. Bye. Yeah. All right, bye. Right. Uh, Virginia, you've brought some plants in as well. We might uh, quickly mention a couple more that you've brought. Well, basically all mine are euphorbias. Okay. I became quite a, I've become quite obsessed with euphorbias. And, and the other one that I was going to bring in was this little Artemisia, which I presume you've spoken about. No, we haven't. No, we, oh, haven't we haven't yet. We haven't got to that. No. Uh, well, that Artemisia was the other one I was going to bring in, and then I forgot it. It's sitting on the doorstop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Artemisius canescens. Yeah. It's a well. Again, we're talking about climate. a silver foliage. It's absolutely a silver foliage, yes. as, as most of them are, very finely cut. And and the thing I like about it is it's 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 quite small because a lot of your artemisias just go. Oh, they can be huge. Now, yeah. for the listener, the artemisia is the wormwood, the southern wood. Those yeah. are the and they're they're thin leaves, silver, and they can if you don't prune them, you end up with this incredibly leggy plant that is really unattractive. Yeah, they need a chop. Mm, they really yeah. need a chop. Canescence doesn't need a chop. And when I saw that in your garden, I just thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Because it was compact. Yeah. When you say a chop, you really need, really need a prune. A big hard prune. A big, a big hard, hard prune. prune. Yeah, 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 to maintain Not them. a chop chop, but yeah. big hard prune. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you've let it get leggy and you just chop it away, most of the time they'll come back, won't most they? Most of them will, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. 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 Now, canescence is again. It would be fantastic for edging a rose bed mm. Mm. Um, because of the the colour. Of course, silver just goes with anything. Yeah, and mm. and also because of the scale, it's twenty five centimetres thereabouts. Yes, yeah. yes yeah. it's a really it's a really compact, pretty thing. 
There's a bed in the Botanic Gardens, which is all silver plants. It's called the grey bed. Mm. And the reason that it is the grey bed which is, is it faces north on a really steep fl- slope dropping down to the river and it is so dry and so hot. So the only thing really that will grow there are silver plants. And it's got canessens, Artemisia canessens in it? I haven't it seen it, but then it. it's very big. Yeah. So that would tend to disappear a bit. Yeah. But it's got, you know, it's got things from Africa, things from... Um, South America and Central mm. America and things from Australia. Yeah, I mean, I know Artemisia canescens is used a lot at Buddha. Yes. Yeah, um, as an edging plant for their garden beds. So it obviously it copes with that heat and dry. Mm. Yes, yeah. oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. And when I take a walk, I always talk about why plants are grey-leafed, how, you know, a little less than all plants actually need the green to be mm. able to feed themselves using sun and air. And if you've got too much sun, you develop grey leaves. Yep. So, which is why they're so good for us in Australia and why they tend to struggle in Britain. Yep. Yep. But of course, the glorious thing is that you could put any colour That's with, right. a with it. Yes. Foliage. So, so easy to fit in. It's mm. just wonderful. So yeah. perfect. Something like that. Perfect as a little border. Yep. It wouldn't matter what garden bed you had and what you had in it. It's going to look fantastic. That's right. And again, again, like like the meribium, you know, it, it's been looked pretty awful in my garden this summer because of the cool, wet summer. Mm-hmm. But now that it's dried out, it's, it's looking terrific. It's really coming on. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. Um, okay. So back to your euphorbias, Virginia. Well, I've just been buying them. I've, this is how Roraima came up because he has so many. And of course, in Madagascar, we saw so many euphorbias. And in that hot, dry section of the Botanic Gardens, there's all these euphorbias. And they're so varied. The only thing is they all have the same rather peculiar flower, which isn't really a flower. I mean, botanically, none of them have a flower. They have something else. I can't even botanically remember what it's called. Um, I wrote it down. Yes, they're actually called cyanthium leaves, the flowers. I mean, the actual flower okay. is tiny in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. And and I think the, some of the weedy ones, are, uh, the weedy ones tend to be the least attractive of them. But some of the bigger ones are really quite stunning. There's a beautiful one in the Botanic Gardens, which has an extreme, it's from Madagascar, it has this extremely green leaf, mm. an extremely red flower. Fantastic. Beautiful red flower. Mm. Oh, it is, isn't it? And huge, nasty thorns. Right. <laughs> yeah. And in, in Madagascar, they use it as a fence. So it's yep. a shrubby one. Yes. Yep. Well, actually, it's, it's a very big shrub. It's almost a tree. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But, it's they, its defence against being eaten by animals. Yes. Lemurs, probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lemurs can jump, jump. You'd be surprised. In yes. the thorny desert, yeah. they, they survive in the thorny desert. And they jump, literally, from one plant to another. And how they manage to do it with all the thorns in there, I don't mm. know. But mm. Extraordinary. Yes. 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 So they're, they're thorn jumpers, Pen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's. Uh, we need to get to some of these callers. We have uh, Beth, who's in Clayton. Good morning, Beth. Beth, are you there? No, we don't seem to have Beth. We might uh, put her back on hold. Um, we'll go to uh, Sue in East Ringwood. Good morning, Sue. No, we not seem to be getting our callers up at the moment. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to come back to that while we're waiting. Um, we haven't covered uh, 
the little daisies I can see oh, sitting the, there, it, which totally match up into Easter your... Easter daisies, again, it'd be yes. fantastic mm-hmm. for the roses. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's such a variety of them. What a match for you, for your... For the cobalt blue. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. They're, all, they're all coming out at the moment. Um, being Easter daisies. Being Easter daisies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they're and tough too, aren't they, Craig? They're, they're probably, I think, the best of the floral perennials yeah, for yeah. Australian or South Australian gardens, mm. Southern yes. Australian. Yeah. yeah. Um, Again, some can some can get quite leggy if they're not chopped mm. back. Oh, the, the thing with, well, I do this with most of my perennials is give them a prune in yep. November. Yes. Early in November. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keeps them compact, stops so, them getting so leggy. So you use a hedger? Yeah, hedger? just a hedging sheet. Yeah, yeah. Give them a swipe. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. And uh, then they stay compact. And mm. don't you see them in gardens and the they tend to get leggy and people don't don't uh, probably know when to prune them. Yeah. yeah. It's not a big job. It's no. It's a 30-second operation. Yeah. yeah. And it's just to give them a chop. Nice and soft to work into. You could That's use right. um, hand yeah. clippers, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then quite a, quite a few of them you can do cuttings with mm. that wood at that time of the year. Yeah. And so you cut them back by about how much? Half. Right, eh? okay, yep. good. Yep. yep, the thing is not to do them too late. Right. Yeah. So about November? No, early November. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, good. just and, when they're really And let the, let the material fall on the ground and use that as a mulch that's as well. That's right. Yep, yeah. good. Yeah, Simple gardening. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And feed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, a feed? Yep. General purpose fertiliser? Yep, whatever. Good. Yep. Great. Yep. Okay. Excellent. So that pretty much goes with your roses, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep. Mm. Great. All right, we're going to try and get back to our callers. We'll see if we can get there now. Uh, we'll try again. Beth, who's in Clayton? Are you there, Beth? Oh. I just went and tried to sort that and I didn't succeed. One I'm of them here. want. Ah, oh, you're oh, there. Yes, yes. Good. Go ahead, Beth. I'm not Beth. I'm Sue. Oh, okay. You'll do, Sue. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Sue, anyway. Okay. Thank you for taking my call. I have a couple of questions. I have a wolf and I, and it's grown quite large. And when I, this is the first time I've done this, when I went to cut the flowers off because they looked awful and very bedraggled, I only cut the flowers, but I shouldn't have done that, should I? I should have cut it right down to the base. Chop, chop, chop. Right down to the base. Yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's one of the weedy ones. The, is it? It's got the yellow flower. Yeah, I mean it's all right. I've got a lot of it under my tree, but I I, I can't get rid under of it. Under your tree, mine's yeah. in full sun. I've It'll got... grow quite happily in part shade. Mm. I don't have part shade mm. in my garden. Okay. Absolutely full sun. I think it's but, beautiful. Yes, it is I'd, beautiful, but it's, mm. it's I'd like to move tough. it. When would be a good time to move it? And it's sprung so many babies. It's had so many pups. Mm-hmm. I planted all of the pups. Move the babies, but not the adult plant. I don't think it would move. That oh, right. Would, yeah. Okay, all right. Second question I have. I heard that I've had a terrible year with my kangaroo paws. They've been just awful. Mm-hmm. I read or heard somewhere that what you do is going into autumn, uh, I'm a little bit vague about this, going into autumn, you cut them back and then you put some mulch on top and you burn them. Yep, that would make perfect sense. Yes. The reason they've been awful this year is because we've had rain this summer. It's not hot and dry enough for they them. Don't, they don't like water on their leaves. Yeah. So that's one of the problems with so they'll them. So they'll be looking black and spotty. I was told to water them because my, my garden's extraordinarily dry and I've been watering them. 
Paper soak underneath and not on the bush. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. yeah use a soaker yeah. hose. Use yep. a soaker hose if you can. Okay, yeah. Okay. So when do I cut them? I cut them back as far to the ground as I can and then I burn them. Is that right? I've never found it necessary to burn them, but that certainly wouldn't do them any harm and it would kill any fungus. But oh. I'd certainly, as, as they finish flowering, I'd certainly cut the flower, flower spikes off, off yes. yeah. because that'll yes, encourage more flowering. Mm. I have cut the flowers off. Mm. Okay. They weren't, they weren't a flower you'd ever own. They were horrible. Oh. They, they well, had if, lost if, all of their colour. If they you burn them, you could have colour. a different sort of barbecue, couldn't you? <laughs> 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 what, these, sort of, I, what sort of plant is it? Is it? Are they the big ones or small? Yeah, um, I've got a couple of the big reds. They're called big red. Yeah. Yep. Um, they're quite big, um, and a couple of the orange, much smaller ones. The smaller and ones tend to be much harder to grow. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, these are the orange ones, and they're not very big. They're probably a foot high, yeah. but they haven't they haven't prospered at all. Yeah. But the big red, last year they had stunning flowers on them. This year the flowers are a quarter the size and no colour in them. They're, like, leached out. The colour's gone. They may. I, I think what I don't know, but when I've talked to Gwen and Roger about them, because I've had trouble growing them, they've said to me that you, they need to be dry. The big ones are much easier to grow in Victoria than the small ones. Mm. So don't. They've advised me not to buy the small that, ones. That's my view. Oh, the the yes. ones called bush gem. Market mm. it as bush gem. Yeah. The small ones are just difficult. You know, because okay. and and you, they need they need the dry, and of course we haven't had the real dry this year. Oh, no, they're, my, they're my garden's as dry as a bone. Yeah, but we they're, haven't had really hot weather, and we hadn't haven't no. had hot north winds. They're, they're West no. Australians, so. So I yeah. think you'll probably find next year they'll come back. Okay. Well, thank you. You have been very helpful. Okay, that's fine. Excellent. Okay. Thank bye. you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Can I just do something? The, yes, sure. The other call, what she wanted was the phone number for Roramia. Yep. So that is 5258-8704. That's in Lara, 5258-8704. So was that Sarah? No, I think that was the one with the Beth. Something happened with the phones, and I think she's gone, but I picked up what she wanted. Okay, all right. Well, we'll go to, we'll next go to, uh, I think we've got uh, Sarah in Broadmeadows. Um, you there, Sarah? Yes. Hello, yes. good morning yes. uh, to 3CR and to Indigenous community. Right. Uh, <laughs> I just want to tell you that uh, I hear the, the scientists saying the water has uh, toxic, uh, chemical toxic and herbicide uh, in the water about 170 chemical uh, all kind of variety of toxic chemical and uh, there is also uh, uh, chemical imported from Switzerland uh, is not allowed to be used in uh, Switzerland the government of Switzerland didn't allow these company to use it uh, in the in in Switzerland. So they import it here uh, to Australia and they use it in drinking water uh, called Equus Simizine and Simizine. Um, there is no uh, doubt that our government doesn't um, regulate as much as the European Union or Switzerland. With regards to water. Oh, yeah, uh, and, and agricultural chemicals, water agricultural also. chemicals. Mm. And, mm. and they use they Simizine use- as a weedicide, don't they? Uh, can you repeat, please? Do they use simazine as a weedicide? 
uh, in the water they use it for uh, drinking and agriculture water also yeah okay what uh, i just want to say also the pollution is affecting the fruits i had the apple tree in in my yard and uh, it does like it should be the best uh, b- much better than the market uh, and it is not very good like it looks like not bad but it is not like the great i think because of the pollution are you feeding and watering it yes uh, i mean the the pollution has effect also uh, not only the water the water is is if you know about the water you will be uh, it's scary Quite. But, but also the pollution also is very big factor of um, damaging the the food and the fruit. Okay, well, thanks for alerting us thanks. to it. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Uh, next up, we have uh, our good friend Graham Morrison. Good morning, Graham. Good morning. Good morning, Pam. Just a quick one, Pam. Uh, last week, I was still talking about to, to land uh, the. Orlando Tangelo. Yes, yes. Get that right. And uh, a lady was saying that she couldn't find it around the place. It's a really great thing of super citrus tree that should be available. I looked through the week as I promised her uh, in the US. There's a couple of nurseries that tell it. But uh, two nurseries that I bought in the past from in New South Wales, no go. Murray Valley haven't got it. Bird's Nursery haven't got it. So I'm, I'm at a loss other than. Bird's Nursery up in Mount Evelyn have a stock tree there. And, oh, uh, right. I, I guess that they could get bugwood off that. Or if you could talk the boys up there to actually, you know, budding a tree, tree, tree over for her. Which one was that? Bird's that, Nursery. That, that, that was Bird's Nursery up in Mount Evelyn, yes. Right. Well, and, that's good to know, Graham. I wonder yeah. why it's so so unpopular yeah, these I, I days. Know. I'm going to write a note to Murray Valley Nursery, the, a, a big, you know, wholesale uh, nursery, and just to say, you know, it's remiss of them that they haven't got that on their on their list, and they, they could get a little bit of budwood, you know, from yes. Bird's Nursery or, or myself to, to start it going. Graham, you said it was a citrus. Yes. 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 And and what it's a sort tangelo. of citrus? A tangelo. Okay. Tangelo. Okay. Yeah, but it's a really good, 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 good one, Graham. Yes. In that. homework for us, yeah. uh, Graham. So uh, okay. if people really want to follow up on that, uh, um, yeah. you suggest contact Birds Nursery and see yeah. if they'll um, yeah. 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 So they'll do something and help you out. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks, okay. Graham. Okay. Bye. Bye. I just got the phone number for Birds Nursery well in Mount done. Evelyn. 9736 9736-2074. 9736-2074. For Birds Nursery in Mount Evelyn, there. Fantastic. Okay, we've got, let me see, we have Roger Elliott online. Good morning, Roger. Hello, Tam. Hello, everybody. I bet this is in response to the kangaroo pause, is it? Would would you believe you are right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Go ahead. 
what it would have been nice if somebody had have asked in the early stages, are they the tall ones or the little ones? And Virginia picked that up in the end, which was great. Um, the taller ones, most of the taller ones around in the trade, uh, Anigazanthus flavidus, which comes from waterlogged uh, southern western Australia, and they tolerate quite a bit of moisture, but they also grow in dryness. Whereas a lot of the other smaller hybrids, they come from plants that live in the sand plains and um, a lot of the parents of those smaller hybrids aren't long lived in nature mm. and so this is one of the things that um, often you know people aren't aware of because the nursery industry doesn't tell the I suppose the full story about some of the smaller smaller ones but um, for the lady with her big red they the flavidus group are really gross feeders. They they really like quite a bit of fertiliser. Okay. You know, organic stuff is, is good. And uh, they do tend to go backwards if they're not divided, say, after three years or so. And you can just take a spade to some of those big ones and just divide them up into, into groups and replant quite easily. When you say organic stuff, um, would, you know... Blood and bone, dynamic lifter, or yeah, look, that that'd be fine. Yeah, um, that that'd be fine, and uh, you know they they respond to some of the other slow release controlled fertilisers like osmocote and those sort of things yep. too. Um, but there's a thing called bush tucker out these days, which is really good for them, and uh, so that they respond. And I think uh, you you mentioned there about. Uh, you know, cutting them right down to the base. And, and that's often a good thing with the flavidus to do that. And some of the smaller ones will cope with that too. One, one of the things, that a lot of the smaller ones are very susceptible to kangaroo poor rust. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they start off having little blackish or slightly brownish spots on the leaves and it spreads like mad. And any overhead watering really does spread that rust. So that, whereas the flavidus types, the taller, more vigorous ones, aren't susceptible to that rust. They do get an ink spot disease, a blackening, but that's not too bad usually. Um, one one of the things I suppose is recommended in recent days is really not to mulch with organic mulches around kangaroo paws. Uh, they've found that this really does help uh, spread the various uh, fungal diseases and stuff. But okay. to use gravel mulches um, is, is much better. It just it, it keeps the, 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 the surface of the, the mulch stays dry and there's less chance of, uh, of getting the, the fungal spores spreading everywhere. Right. So, okay. And uh, the, the burning idea of burning the leaves, that's, that's really successful long as your neighbours are well prepared. <laughs> um, Haven't got their sheets up. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had a friend uh, in Aldinga in South Australia and he did that every year and he had just beautiful kangaroo paws. Yeah. So you'd do that in the winter, would you? Or? Uh, autumn time. Autumn, no, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah late, late autumn. Yeah, when okay. you've got quite a lot of dead stuff on them. But, mm. um, yeah, so in, anyway, um, but they do like some feed. Yes, yeah. and do the small ones like feed too? Yeah, they'll respond to that too. Mm. And uh, and if if people do see these spots appearing on leaves, um, 
you know, you can apply a fungicide, but it really doesn't help that much. Um, often you end up damaging the, the, the foliage with the fungicides rather than getting rid of the fungus. So you just tend to pull them off is the best idea or cut them off. Cut them off. Yeah. And I suppose and the burning's going to really help with the fungus, isn't mm. it? Because it re- will yeah, get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Clean up the spores. But, uh, yeah, anyway, look, some of them are difficult, more difficult to grow, but if you go... And there's quite a range out now of Anagazanthus flavidus hybrids, and the big red is one of them. It, it's uh, crossed with one called Rufus, and... Uh, and they're quite strong, vigorous growers. I've mm. got a lovely big orange one, which I'm really fond yeah, of. Okay. Yeah, mm. yeah. Excellent. Anyway. Okay. Well, thank all right. you for all of that feedback. That's wonderful. Good. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, we're just about running out of time again. Graham, quickly mention the, uh, the Art and Roses uh, tour again for listeners. The Art and Roses at Kilmore is on the 7th to the 9th of April. And it's at the Memorial Hall in, in um, Sydney Street, Kilmore. And, of course, there's visits to gardens as part of that um, uh, three-day art expo. Okay. Um, we have run out of time. Beth in Clayton, if you like to hold on to the phone there, um, I might just get Graham to take your call off air because we've... Uh, unfortunately run out of time a big thank you to the team for coming thank in you. again it's, thank it's you, always always great on a sunday morning we enjoy ourselves anyway but uh we will be back again next week of course uh and a big thank you to liz who came racing in to rescue us this morning but uh until next week bye for now